You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage film review podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Derek, and I've got my buddy Ryan right here with me. I thought we were more than buddies. Oh, we are so much more than buddies. Yes, I'm here. I'm Hi. here. Hi, buddy old pal. Hi. <laughs> that was enthusiastic. It was. It was. Well, we have kind of an interesting movie to talk about this week. So if you don't know the show, each episode we discuss a Nicolas Cage movie that came up on our Wheel O Cage the week before. And this time we are talking about the 1991 erotic drama Zondali. Starring Nicolas Cage, Judge Reinhold, and Erica Anderson, as well as a few more notable people popping up, directed by Sam Pillsbury. The kind of general synopsis of the movie, which really doesn't paint a great picture of it, but no pun intended. (laughs) Thierry's wife, Zandalee, married the poet he once was. Taking over his dad's company in New Orleans gives him stress and impotence. Thierry meets his high school buddy, Johnny, at a bachelor party. The painter Johnny can satisfy Zondali. So there you go. I mean, seems like it was written by somebody that didn't speak English and then translated into English. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I don't, it does not really encapsulate this movie. So this movie is uh, rated R big time, but Ryan and I happen to catch the unrated version of the film which was released on dvd later in 2000 2001 ish um kind of difficult to get your hands on but it is out there so we figured why not let's go all in and watch the original nc-17 cut (laughs) i guess of this movie um and that's that's what we're gonna talk about right now if you haven't seen it um the the rated r version is available on streaming but not the unrated version so ryan take us away Okay, so how we usually do this is that I like to take notes throughout the movie, and it lets us kind of discuss the movie in a chronological order as to, you know, how they happen in the movie. So, yeah, Uh, my first note is that Steve Buscemi and Marissa Tomei are like 10th billing, which is interesting uh, in the opening credits. Um, Yeah, it's because their roles are fairly small. Yeah, they. it's such a weird... This must have been before either of them really got big because they were completely wasted in this movie um i mean they were fine but it was just a weird seeing what what i would consider big name actors to be way behind actors that are not anyone i know about yeah i mean marissa tomei was in a few things prior to this her first work started in 1984 so she'd been in the industry for a little while uh, but you know certainly not she had basically one scene in this and that was it she she literally had one scene which we'll talk about at some point but chevy's kind of in the same boat he started in 85 so both of them had been around for you know several years and been in you know certainly a a collection of projects before this buscemi's character didn't even get a name in this so um you know that's that shows you how tiny his role is yeah he's credited Um, as opp man yeah He's a prisoner. <laughs> uh, so then we get like a long, boring opening credits. It's just like names 
names. Oh, black screen. Black screen, white nothing. names. Nothing interesting about it. They couldn't even do B-roll of the city. Yeah. And then literally the movie opens with uh, a pan through some of the city into boobs and bush right away. Full frontal nudity like, almost immediately. Yeah, within the first minute of the movie. and Of the actual is, movie, past the credits. Right. And this is one of two scenes where a person or people are dancing, and it's unclear if they also hear music. <laughs> or if they're dancing, they're dancing to They're dancing to the soundtrack that we're hearing, but right. it's unclear whether that's actually happening in the movie. Although... We can talk about it more, but I feel like based on some of the shots in this movie, that maybe an argument could be made that literally someone was in the in the context of the movie, just following these people through certain situations with the camera, not just like the cameraman being a external thing, because there's certain scenes where they didn't even try to hide and make it look like it was a, you know, smooth motion and it was like shaky you know like somebody's walking with them or like riding in a vehicle behind them or you know something like that that's fair um my next note is is he wearing a fez i'm gonna say yes without yes, being an expert on the hat i'm gonna say yes it was very weird so we get introduced to this character uh his, this is judge reinhold's character yes and he i i guess he has a name but i don't remember them ever actually using that name it's, it's Thurry. yeah i don't remember that name being used much maybe i just wasn't paying attention that closely <laughs> or maybe i thought they were saying something else i thought they were thing. saying terry oh okay but it's Thurry. Uh, they, they we get introduced to his character and Zondale Zandale. I mean, there was this, her name was pronounced multiple ways throughout this movie, so it was extra confusing. I think it's Zandale because her nickname is Zan, so I think yeah. it's Zandale. But uh, well, it's the end that's really the the confusing part. Zandale, Zandale. I mean, depending yeah. on which character in the movie is saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. So, uh, but yeah, we get introduced to them, uh, and he quickly puts on a Fez and is headed to a bachelor party where Fezes and cigars and strippers are a thing. So, so, okay, I wasn't sure what that event was. I was hoping that it was a bachelor party and not like a work event, but that was really an unclear. odd work event, even in like the 80s or 90s. I agree. It was just unclear to me what was happening because like yeah they never... didn't really make it they didn't make it super clear i mean i think you're just supposed to assume it was a bachelor party based on the context so who's the groom i mean we never it, see a wedding either it's, so... it's unclear but i mean <laughs> that's the whole like th there was a lot of that crap in this movie so let's just get real like there's uh... a lot of like stuff that has no context um but this is where uh johnny collins comes in Nick and uh Okay, actually, we just before this party, before we get into that, we get sexy moist Buscemi. <laughs> so, in yeah, his so prison outfit in the yes. rain, looking very young and handsome. Very young, yeah. So apparently, uh, yeah, he's he's a prisoner who I guess is on some type of work program, and Zandali likes to jog through the city. This whole thing takes place in in New Orleans. And so they bump into each other multiple times, I think three times, three or four times throughout the movie. And he's kind of pseudo hitting on her, but kind of playfully, I don't know. Also, it's established in this moment that uh, she does not own a bra. 
because when she jogs through the city, she's literally, literally throughout this movie, she never wears a bra. So, I mean, that was not from me noticing that. That was from my significant other that I was watching this with made the comment of, does she even own a bra like three quarters of the way through the movie? So if that's what you're into, then, hey, you know, you get a lot of that type of thing in this movie. I this mean, scratching there, the surface. There is so much nudity in this movie. Mostly from like one person. Mo- mostly, but I mean, like the bachelor party, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of boobs. And like really, women. like, I mean, if, at, at certain times it felt like straight up porn because yes. like it's really close up like nipples and like, you know, very odd. I thing. mean, there's there's a shot in the bachelor party scene right be- right before the moment before we see Nick Cage's introduction where a dude has nipple in his mouth. That is yes, lip, in the and licking whipped cream off of nipple. You know, um, so like, yeah, I'm yeah. guessing that's one of the shots that was probably not in the R rated version. That I mean, seems a little gratuitous for uh, for R rated movie. It does. It does. But then we also like the way it's it's basically the way Johnny Collins and Nick Cage's character is introduced in the movie. So like, I just well, they could. Should... I'm not saying they cut out the whole Bachelor scene. I'm just ta- right. talking about that specific like nipple lick. I would be curious just to know how they handle a scene like that in the R-rated version. Also, there's a lot of bush in this movie too, which is fine. You know, I'm not judging the character's choice of uh, pubic hair, but like. You don't see that even a lot in an R-rated movie. Well, that's the thing. Like, basically, almost every time there is a naked woman, she's completely naked with like full frontal nudity. So I'm wondering, yes. you know, like, was that that was just maybe enough? I don't know. There, and on the contrary side to that, there's almost no, full, there's zero. I don't think full frontal male nudity. I don't think you see any penis. There's a lot of. There's a lot of butt, and I will we'll get to it later in my notes. I'm pretty sure we got to see a little slip of Nick Cage testicle at one point. If we did, I missed it. But well, you definitely. I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw it. But there's a there's a really long scene later where Judge Reinhold's character is completely naked, but it's very it's shot very purposefully, so you never see any penis. Right, which seems a little sexist, but this was the early '90s, right? Well, especially because like this is the NC-17 version. You already are getting that that rating. You might as well go with it. Yeah, but I'm guessing they just assumed that nobody wanted to see that, which is couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, we get Sexy Moist Buscemi. And then we get Nick, Nick Cage's Johnny Collins intro in this movie. And so I'm curious, Derek, when he's walking in, he does something very specific that... And there was a couple of times in this movie that I noticed this, that he does something that is also done in a later movie of his that's more popular. Um, that This seems like a trial run on those things, maybe. Or maybe it's a <laughs> habit that Nick Cage had and always wanted to try, and then he uses it in a more popular movie later. Maybe because he doesn't think it gets its due. I'm curious if you know what I'm talking about the moment. I'm not sure that I do. Okay, so the, when he walks in... The first time we see him, it's in like a dark hallway. Yes. And he like ducks down and does like this head swinging thing. Yeah, it's like a silhouette of him. Right. He also does that in Face Off. Does he? When he, I, I'm pretty sure it's when he's walking out as like the priest. Oh, And they're right. singing and he like walks out and does that same head thing. Yeah. It's incredibly similar 
Yeah, yeah, you're uh, right. Yeah. And, but that's that's not the only one. That's the only one I remember off the top of my head. But I remember seeing something else later. It was like that's from another movie of his too. It's I just interesting seeing that he's got some mannerisms. He's got some things that he just does. I think, right. but. His introduction is super weird, though, because, yeah, we get this silhouette shot of him in the hallway. It's a very harsh cut. From it's a hell of a cage intro, too. It, like, it's it's one of his best intros so far into any movie we've watched of his. It is very good. And then he's just in the bachelor party. Like, weird, weird early 90s go- goatee and uh, oh, strange, man. weird mullet. I, I, I want to call it a mullet because I think technically it is, but it's a weird thing he's got going on there. The facial hair in this movie is really special because... Judge Reinhold's got this mustache that he wears throughout the whole movie, and Cage has his little, I guess, goatee. It was yeah. a choice. It, it was, was a choice. yeah. It was yes. It was a choice. I'm trying. There's like a singer that I'm familiar with from the '90s that had a very similar facial hair, but I can't remember who it was. But anyway, it's not that important. But yes, I. It's the weirdest facial hair we've had so far. I think for Nick Cage. Yeah, um, and I, I don't, agree. I don't foresee that being topped anytime soon. Uh, no. My next note is belt buckle, because he had this really extravagant, like colored belt buckle. I don't even know what was on it. To be honest, it was just really big, like not comically big, like yeah, you see the jokes about Texas belt buckles, but for the early '90s, a very out of place, like large belt buckle. Yeah, I didn't notice the belt buckle. I think I was distracted by some of the other stuff in the scene. He wore a really nice, like, crushed velvet uh, blazer. And, yeah, he wears that for a few scenes in the movie. But no um, fez. No fez. No fez. Yeah, he's the only one in the, the only male at this bachelor party with no fez. <laughs> uh, my next note is bad hair extensions. So when we see him, there's some shots from from the back where he has like this mullet thing going on. And it literally like when you look at the back of his hair, I feel like this wasn't ever meant to be seen in high def because <laughs> and we didn't watch it in that high def. I th- feel like it was like 720p or something like it was yeah, not I mean, like this is not a Blu-ray. Yeah. No. <laughs> but you could see like a split in his hair where they like clipped in extensions. And mm. if you're familiar with hair at all, you should not be able to, to like see the transition for uh, that kind of thing. So this is one of many things on this movie that definitely showed their lack of budget and where they were cutting it in specific things. I'm really concerned now that this movie was so bizarre and uncomfortable at times that I might have missed some of those details because I was just like stunned. I think you did. Yeah, I think by you did. What was going on? <laughs> uh, Donald Trump is my next note. Yeah, that's a that's a name drop. They probably he's really talking heard. about random like he's saying something about rich people, and that and Donald Trump is the only person he name drops. Like it was the yeah. only rich person that the the writer for this movie could think of at the time. And like not and t- to my memory, I don't really think much happened between him and New Orleans. So it just doesn't no. seem like the most it was a in weird context name drop. But what are you gonna do? Right. And so just after this, uh, I think they come back to like their house or apartment or whatever is drunk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is the first time that uh, Zandali, am I saying that right? Zandali, um, Zand- yeah. Yeah, I still don't, I, I'm never going to probably get it completely right. <laughs> but uh, it's the first time that she meets uh, Johnny Collins, Nick Cage's character. She's yes. married to Judge Reynolds' character. Yes. But and this is his best friend from like childhood, but somehow she's never met him. Right. They um, grew up in the bayou. 
Yeah, his uh, those that southern accent, Judge Reinhold's southern accent was not great, by the way. Like, I <laughs> applaud him for trying, but probably never again. Uh, anyway, uh, this throughout this whole scene, she seemed like she absolutely hated Johnny Collins. Like, she was get like, if if Wilkes could kill, then he would have been dead multiple times over. Like, she couldn't wait to get away from him. So, it's interesting because. No matter the scene, I felt like she hated him the whole time. Yes. And that might have been some personal stuff going through because there's an interview with her about how they one of the first scenes that they filmed happens to be one of the most sexually intense uh, scenes. And it was very uncomfortable for her and she had a really bad time with it. And so that maybe that played into it, um, that she was just done. And it was between you know her and Nick cage of course and so maybe she was just done with him and done with the movie at that point i don't know but there was not there was no point in this movie where i looked at her and thought she likes this guy yeah there was basically no chemistry between the two of them and we'll get into it later but there's some like things that seemed like questionable consent like majorly questionable consent oh yes um so but i don't think it was supposed to be questionable in the context of the movie that was that's the problem that's the problem. I don't know. I walked out of this movie not understanding if this was supposed to be a consensual relationship or not. There are several times where it certainly doesn't look that way. Right. But then the, the way she acts goes like contradicts that. It's and I, I feel like I feel like, uh, yeah, we can get into more of that when we get into it. But I feel like uh, there was definitely the, the thing you're talking about with the issues on set may have actually been a lot of what i was seeing i didn't i wasn't aware of that um so at this point uh we she it shows her the next day working in her clothing shop mm-hmm. uh with a customer who's advising her on her sex life yeah. it's unclear as to whether she like makes this clothing or it's just like a distributor or like just works for somebody else at their clothing store it's definitely implied that it's hers because she's the only one we ever see working there right yeah, you see the, the well, it's, so Thierry, is that his mom or his grandma? That lives I don't really there? know. It's okay. unclear. <laughs> um, so I, I think it might, she might be working there too. There's a couple of scenes where she's in the shop too. Uh, okay. But this is the, the customer is uh, Joe Pantoliano. Uh, Joey Pants, I guess, is what a lot of his co-stars and friends call him i really only know him from the bad boys movies <laughs> that's my yeah he's, he's been in a lot of stuff he's not someone that like you would know his name necessarily but you would definitely recognize his face yeah exactly supporting actor voice. in a lot of movies yeah yeah it's a very voice, distinct voice sure. yeah um yeah so we see this scene where he tells her he's uh cross-dresser i think is implied i mean he's definitely i, I he's definitely know. wearing feminine clothing in every scene he's in yes so that's as much as we know about him it's not really implied how or it's not really clear how deep into that lifestyle he goes there's a couple of lines that he says that certainly implies that he he has sex with men that doesn't mean that he's necessarily you know homosexual we don't know that but he does make references to sex with men sure so um so we get that scene which is kind of a weird scene um and then we get it goes to a scene where they're uh where uh john reinhold's character 
and uh Zandali are in a in the bedroom and of course her boobs are out again um and they're talking about him quitting his writing career it's kind of establishing that whole thing where mm -hmm. he's quit this career to pursue this career uh in his dad's business i think i honestly yeah. am really really unclear about the plot in this movie mostly because <laughs> it not if nothing in it makes sense so, um, so this this part's not overly complicated i just don't think it was explained very well but basically so he was a poet and a professor and then about a year ago his dad died and when his dad died he felt this obligation to save his dad's business which was this communications company south uh, southern com and uh south com and he takes that over. But in that process, he no longer writes poetry and he's become impotent and very miserable and depressed and these other things. And that is where about a year into that is where we're introduced to all of these characters. Yeah. And in this scene, I think they try to have sex, but it, he can't do it. And Correct. so they're talking about, she's talking about him quitting writing and, uh, it's just a really poorly acted scene. It stood out to me as like, uh, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say poorly. I don't really know how to describe it. It's kind of like they didn't think it was bad, but like you appreciate how bad it is. If that makes any sense, you know, like evil dead or army of darkness, right? They, they're taking it very seriously, but it's your, your enjoyment comes from the fact of how bad it is. I can kind of make a comparison to, this in a lot of ways that we did read some reviews last week before we you know me and you shared because we never heard of this movie and we wanted to see what we were in for and, and some people shared it as like uh like a better like vampire's kiss quality level and we haven't watched vampire's kiss yet so i can't really make that comparison but um it made it seem like it's kind of a cult classic for how bad it is that people love it yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Everything in this movie felt off. Like it felt like, you know how in, in movies they do multiple takes of a scene? It was yeah. like they did multiple takes and they just took the worst takes and put them all together. So it felt disjointed and awkward and strange throughout the entire movie. There's no point in the movie where anything feels smooth or together or comfortable at really any point. You know and what I think? You know what I think this is? Like, what, a better way to describe it? And you just kind of made me think about it. I feel like it, it felt like I was watching a stage production where, like, they just had one take and they just went with that take every time. You don't get to redo it during a stage production or theater production. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like to me. And so, like, whether it was good or whether it was bad, that's what they, that's what you got as a viewer. I think that's fair. You know, and it's it's scored kind of low, like Rotten Tomatoes is a 33% from critics and a 29% from the audience. On IMDb, it's sitting at a 4.3. So like, it's not good, but it's certainly not the worst rated movie I've watched. But boy, this was just, this was a... Uh... Yeah, it was something. <laughs> and that's that particular scene uh, kind of stood out to me as one where I was like, man... Like, I'm enjoying how bad this is, but, like, I feel kind of bad for thinking it's bad because they can, I can tell they're really trying. I could, I did not enjoy any of the movie. I was okay, really, like, I was just 
uncomfortable is not the right word but just i never settled in at any point while watching this so right after this we get a random scene of zandali in a church Mm -hmm. which at at this point it seems like way out of context doesn't have any clear relation to anything else that's happened so far in the movie she's never mentioned being religious mentioned god or anything along those lines no but she's clearly deeply religious because she goes deeply religious yeah it it does pay off later in the movie um but yeah at this point it's like it's literally like a 30 or 40 second scene of her just like walking in the church and and sitting in one of the pews is that the right term for that that is the right term and uh you know just kind of staring at the crucifix for eight seconds or whatever and then it cuts to the next scene um then we get the shaky cam strip club scene yeah she goes so she goes back and sees joey who i guess his character's name is is jerry i guess but they go, yeah, they go to this strip club bar Party? Thing. Yeah, it like, seems like a party. I don't really know what it is. It's not really a strip club. I mean, it, there is stripping, but there's it's more like a sex club, I guess, because there are people just, like, randomly having sex. Yeah, it was kind of wild. And yeah. she just randomly kisses somebody. Yeah, and it's never touched on again, really. Nope. Um, yeah, it's it was a weird scene. And the person that she kisses is not, like... You know, uh, you, an argument could be made that Judge Reinhold, maybe he's not your type specifically, but he's an attractive man, and Johnny Collins is an attractive man, uh, and Steve Buscemi, attractive man, but this person that she kisses in the uh, the sex club scene is not necessarily someone that would be considered conventionally attractive like any of those guys would. So it was a very weird scene. And just it just it never comes back. We don't see that guy before that or after that. So yeah, or get his name or anything at all. Right. Um, but then we get the drunk uh Zandali hang back to her her home, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And we get one of the most awkward scenes I've ever seen where they try and have sex. Right? Is this mm-hmm. the scene? I, I, I wrote down awkward sex scene, so I think this is the one where they try and have sex, and she like he like can't get it up, and so they start talking, and then while he's like having a deep conversation, she like starts to masturbate on the bed and cry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the same time. And like I'm not trying to kink shame or anything. No, so well, she's into then she's really upset, right? And she's trying to get him into it, and then he gets mad at her for it, and then. Isn't that the scene where they also find the lizard? Let me look at my next note. Because there's a there's a there's a scene like that where he's he's completely naked. Oh yeah, okay. So they, and they find so, a lizard. <laughs> so first they try and have sex, like normal sex, um, which is really awkward. And then she's like 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 missionary sex, I should say, not like normal sex, because that's a different definition for everybody. But then they then they say something about explorer. She says something about explorers and flips around and like puts her butt up against him and i'm like i the only thing i think was that maybe they're talking about like anal it's not it's very weird scene i think she's she's just trying to get him into it and Uh, it's just awkward for them yes and then he walks away and she's staring at him and crying while masturbating and he's like walking around the room naked Mm-hmm. and a lizard somebody point i think zandali points to a lizard it says lizard and he like huh? and he like reaches down and grabs this lizard that almost it, apparently they use a real lizard because it looked like it jumped out of his hand 
they, they was, I want to know if that was in the script or if there was just a lizard on the set and they went with it. I don't know, but it was a very, that was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Uh, just this random lizard in this otherwise miserable to watch scene. Yeah, I don't, I can't imagine that was in the script. That felt so out of place and so weird. Right. So then we get the scene where she's running again, another running mm-hmm. scene. There's like six of these. Yep. Um, this one, she's like running through a train yard or she's like running up to a train yard and then there's a train coming. And the way it's showing it, it's almost like trying to make you think that she's going to jump in front of the train. It's a very weird scene. I, I, my notes well, she's were, I mean, were we supposed I, to think she was going to suicide by train. I, I thought that she was like, at this point, just trying to feel alive. Right. And so she wasn't going to like her goal wasn't to die. Right. But she's throwing caution to the wind. She doesn't really care about the consequences. She just wants to feel the adrenaline of trying to get past the train without it actually hitting her. You know? Yeah. That's kind of how I took it. Like, you know, the people who started doing the daredevil type stuff, you know, just to just to feel the rush because everything else is numb for them. Yeah. Again, it was another weird scene that I didn't feel like there was very much context for, but it was there um and then i guess she runs into uh johnny i'm i i don't i just watched this last night i've already forgotten like the sequence of events because there's no real like continuity to anything there's no story yeah like the story is so basic it is hard to remember the order of things because they don't lead into each other it's just like i forget who says this but there's there's theory about how to write story especially like television and and film and it's not supposed to be this happens then this happens then this happens then this happens it's supposed to be this happens so this happens so this happens this movie's not like that this movie is like the former where it's just like a series of events occur and i guess they're in sequential order but if you were to move them around you probably wouldn't notice that's true so i get he's wearing like his workout or work uniform which apparently he works for uh yeah so the reason that he's at the bachelor party is because he's back in town and he's now working for uh theory's dad's company because he's actually a painter johnny is a painter but he's got to pay the bills even though i guess he owes money to somebody because that comes back later so that's unclear where his money is going but i guess drugs because cocaine shows up at one point that's true uh, kind of out of the blue the cocaine yeah like up. three quarters like, of the way through the movie like all of a sudden he's on cocaine i just oh my god yeah but he shows up and i like i don't remember what he was doing in the scene but he's wearing his work uniform so maybe coming off of work um and she asks about his tattoo and he just like casually flexes his arm and has this tattoo that clearly looks like a temporary tattoo in the middle of his arm, which maybe works out because he does offer to give her one. So maybe yeah. he just drew it on. But, um, it's, but it's on him for like the rest of the movie, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and then I put no one can resist the cage because I think they make out at this point. Um, kiss her then? I think so. God, it's so confused. But she's so mad at him and like standoffish. It's just so confusing to me. And then, then we get another scene where like I don't even remember where she was going, but it was raining, and he just like gets out of a cab mm-hmm. in the rain where she's at. And so I, my next note was: was he just waiting in a cab for her? Unless it was his car, I guess we don't really know. But either way, like he's just waiting out on the street for her. That's kind of horribly creepy. Absolutely. Um, 
That's and the thing. Then we get a moist cage to go with our moist Buscemi that we had <laughs> in the, earlier in the movie. We get uh, most of the leads at some point are moist in this movie. Most of the male leads. I guess everybody is really by the end. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay. That's a spoiler without being a spoiler, but yeah. <laughs> um, and this is when he utters probably the best line in the movie. Do you remember the line, Derek? I'm wondering which one you're talking about. I don't know. If he it's... says he wants to shake her naked yep. and eat her alive. He God. says, I want to shake you naked and eat you alive. And it's unclear what that means. <laughs> if he's just... literally talking about like shaking her naked and then eating her. Or like if it's a sex thing, it's based on the context of the movie. I would imply I would assume it's a sex thing rather than a murdery thing. Although there is some of that in the movie too. It's just um, so uncomfortable, man. Like, okay, let me ask this: Are we supposed to believe that Zandali is so incredibly desperate for physical love that she'll just take it from anybody who will give it to her, no matter how well, poorly? This isn't just anybody. This is Nick Cage at, in in one of his peak looks. But she like, also like real. hates him the entire time. She, I mean. The actress looks like she hates him, but Eric I don't Anderson. think the character yeah. is supposed to hate him. I mean, that's the problem, though, right? Because Erica Anderson's performance is the character. And so it just comes off to me like she despises this guy in basically every scene. Even when they're having sex, she doesn't seem happy about it. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, I mean. My next note is rapey vibes because yes, it seems like he just like forces himself onto her at this point, but then she like starts grabbing his junk, I think, at this point and like fondling it. Mm-hmm. This so is the scene that's where she takes her said, underwear off in the middle of. Oh, that's right. Rain, he says right? he says he likes likes it when uh, she they wear, don't wear, she anything wear anything underneath. Underneath, and so she immediately takes her underwear off. So then I my next note was appears consensual, right? Like is it consensual and he's just kind of aggressive and she likes that or is it not consensual and she's she feels obligated like i just it's just also awkward that i don't know what the message is supposed to be yeah in of itself is a problem yeah uh yeah it's a weird thing and then we get like this really odd probably the most uh explicit nick cage sex scene that we've had so far in yeah. any of the movies that we watched yeah where he's just like humping away they're back at his uh his gallery i guess or his yes. studio his studio where he, and he does is very painting. aggressive very um when it's that's fine i mean if that's the way you guys do it if in the context of the movie it seemed like it added to that level of like does she hate him like is this a hate fuck or what is this you know that's why that's the problem. The problem is I don't know the connotation. Yeah, and it it's was just never clear. Yeah. Yeah, it was odd. Um and then there's I my next one is clairvoyance of the eyes. I think he says something like that to her and it's <laughs> supposed to sound deep but really it doesn't mean anything and <laughs> there's several lines like that just like that shake you naked or whatever shake you and eat you naked or whatever it was. Yeah, shake you naked and eat you alive. Like, what does that even mean? These things are just meant to sound sexy or smart, and they just, it, it's like a bunch of, it's like you gave an AI some, like a bunch of sexy things to read, and then you came up with something like this that doesn't make any sense, but sounds kind of sexy. I don't know. There, there are a lot of very strange lines. 
in this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to hide the clairvoyance of the eyes. That's the line. <laughs> yeah, but what does that even mean? I don't. Know. It means nothing. It's gibberish. Um. So then the next scene we get is her like laying naked in bed and him like painting on her body. And yeah. maybe I'm alone in this. Did you get Armageddon vibes from this? I mean, I like, do now. The <laughs> movie where so if you've seen Armageddon, the Michael Bay, classic Michael Bay, Bruce Willis. Ben Affleck uh, film. Um, there's a scene where like Ben Affleck's character is getting ready to go to space, like you and, do, you know, like you do, <laughs> and uh, he's spending this last day with his wife or girlfriend. They're I can't. En- I think they're, they're engaged. engaged. At this yeah, point. Right. Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I I was I, I love that actress. I just couldn't remember her name. I love Armageddon. <laughs> okay, I do too, unapologetically. But yeah. then there, there's a scene where like. They take like the animal cracker, yeah, and it's, like, it's so moving, but it's a really up close shot of like Liv Tyler's body, yeah. and like you can see like every like all the tiny hairs and everything mm-hmm. like that on her body, and uh, it's like it takes my a, breath away. I think is the song playing or something like that. At least it's at some a point, cute romantic scene. Though. Like I feel like these yes. two scenes are the antithesis of each other. They are, but they had similar vibes to me. Like the the con in the context of the movie, they're very different. But like in the scene, I thought I don't know. I had very similar vibes because it's very close up shot of her yeah. body. You're seeing like every little thing on imperfection on her body. Um, and another person sensually touching the body while while you're seeing it. Um, I think this is a good example, though, of how disjointed this movie is, because you're right. The scenes are extremely similar. The difference is in Armageddon. I see a couple that loves each other and they're trying to be cute and romantic and sweet. And in Zandali, I see these two people and it's just uncomfortable and strange. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they were supposed to use... Uh, or they originally were going to use red paint in this scene. And uh, because it came across too aggressive with like the really aggressive fucking that they had right before this, uh, they, they changed it to blue paint to show a more tender side, which is what that scene in Armageddon was too. It was a more tender like scene out of the movie because the rest of the movie, there's some aggressive and, and things that happen but it worked in armageddon it did not work here. yeah i, was so I think say. that's the main difference <laughs> i don't think um, it worked then we get a scene of nick cage at the bar and i think this is actually where we get the first kind of cocaine thing happening um although i don't think we know it's cocaine at this point it's just like a package that somebody left for him right yeah um, but then he does some bar magic randomly this guy is also a magician with a priest there's a with priest, a priest who knows there. johnny because he calls him by name yeah so this is at, a, at the bar that i guess johnny just hangs out in yeah, yeah. So that was my next. That was bar magic. Um, bar magic. <laughs> and then I have. He is a really bad friend. I don't know what exactly happened at this point that made me say that, but it, he well, is so Judge, a really bad friend in this movie. Yeah, I mean he's horrible. So and honestly, Judge Reinhold's character is a decent guy. Like I feel bad for him. He's he going didn't through do a tough anything. Thing. Yeah, he didn't do anything in this movie that would have. I would be like, that's a dickhead. He seems like a real southern gentleman that's really trying in his relationship. He realizes there's problems. He's trying to like do the best he can. It's it's a like it's it's a couple that isn't working that because he's got a lot of issues to work through and and she has issues too clearly like clearly. cheating. But yeah, so so Judge Reinhold Theory he comes into the bar and sees Johnny there and ends up paying for his drinks and stuff, you know. But he's he's inviting Johnny to dinner. He wants Johnny to come to dinner because. 
Fairy's mother or grandmother, that part was unclear, uh, has a secret man in her life. Which we're supposed to care about. Which I guess, yeah, who's been kind of following her since her husband died or whatever. And so um, he wants to have that dinner and he wants his his best buddy who's been back in his life for 45 minutes to be there for this dinner. And, and fucking his girlfriend for 40 or his wife for 43 of those 45 minutes <laughs> but he doesn't know that yet yeah um, that's true and um he johnny can bring his date who is marissa tomei randomly for no seeming reason yeah and she was delightful in this oh, one yeah. scene honestly she was I great love her, though. i She's... wish she had been a bigger role in the movie so that scene so the dinner scene if i can jump ahead to the dinner scene is so weird for me personally because i am a really big fan of seinfeld and half of the people at that table were in Seinfeld and it's super odd. And that whole scene is very strange because we're introduced to two brand new characters. We're like, how far are we into the movie at this point? Halfway uh, through? Yeah, I would say 50 to 60% of the way through. Right? We're, we're introduced to two brand new characters at this point, one of which we never see again. Right. <laughs> and and then at the same time, Johnny and Zandali are doing it in the other room while they're all at dinner, just sitting in the dining room. Yeah, like these two just happen to slip away from the dinner. And then they decide decide to fuck on a washer, but then she turns the washer on. Uh, Yeah, I rolled my eyes at that. To get the extra vibration, I guess. I don't really know. But it's like nobody's noticing any of this. Yeah, they're like, well, okay. So I think at one point, uh, Judge Reinhold's character yells something out about for them to come back in. And uh nick cage's character says that they're just washing up and then they turn on the washing machine that was yeah it was before the sex well that was like while things were starting to get steamy but then randomly like okay so just picture this from judge reinhold's character's point of view is you're sitting at dinner these two slip away you hear like some weird crashing around in the kitchen and then you ask them when they're coming back and one of them says they're washing up and then you hear the washing machine turn on (laughs) God, it's so bad how man. exactly are you washing like what are you washing up like anyway it, he clearly knows at this point what's going on because well, they not, keep cutting back and forth to him looking around kind of like uncomfortably yes and then i wrote my for my next note is finger poetry i think i don't, I don't think know it was at this, i don't think it was at this dinner scene but i think at in a scene uh, after this one that that Zandali and uh Johnny Collins are talking Nick Cage's character and she says that she loves his poetry and he immediately starts finger blank- banging her and says what about finger poetry or something along those lines oh yeah okay and yeah, he's it was not just such a weird what's such a weird thing to say and yeah i'm sorry for how uh explicit i am about this but you can't really talk about this movie without being explicit because it legitimately is a pornographic pornographic movie yeah it's 80 percent sex yes and so you cannot be subtle talking about this movie um so then we it cut while this while she's getting finger blasted he it cuts to judge reinhold and he's like coming out of the shower looking for her I think they were at his house or something like I can't remember exactly, but he comes out and his towel of his out of coming out of the shower is like above his belly button. It's like the least sexy place for a man to have his <laughs> towel. It's like not low enough to be like intriguing, 
but it's not like he's covering his nipples. It's just so, a weird place in the middle. So my next note was, why is this towel so high? Because you'd never in movies see a man with their towel above their belly button. Like, you're showing everything else in this movie. The belly button is too much. Like, what this going? Or they were scared it was going to slip down. I don't know. But He's sensitive about his belly button. Maybe. And, you know, I'm sorry if that's the case. Uh, but it was a weird thing. Then we get another Nick Cage sex scene. <laughs> Should we have been keeping a tally? <laughs> I mean, that's only the second one, I think. Is it? Is that it? It feels like so. more. Um, and this, okay, so they start to have sex. And then they stop. And she starts getting emotional. I, I don't recall what it was about. Because there's a lot of emotions throughout this whole movie. None by the viewer, all by people that were supposed to feel an emotion for. And she so she moves and sits on the couch full bush and boobs out of course because that's that's the movie only that's her only costume in this movie um and then nick cage's character comes over and kind of like ducks down in front of frame and for a split second i'm pretty sure you see some pendulum ball sack there i missed it i'm pretty sure i I, my next note was i think i saw nick ball sack you didn't uh, freeze frame it? I did not freeze frame it because I did not want to remember most things in this movie. <laughs> um, so then he talks to her and she starts seeming like she's feeling better. And he has some coke, cocaine, on the table next to them and starts pouring olive oil next to it. And she specifically says, I'm not doing drugs. And then he runs his finger through the cocaine and olive oil and jams it inside of her well because then he says i'm not asking you to yes i i I, that lot and again it's not understanding the movie right is that line supposed to be that he's not giving her the choice i mean that's the only way i feel like you couldn't right like that's what that like so that's a problem and it's unclear where the finger's going but either way the cocaine is going to take you know take effect and it seemingly does because her mood shifts yes it, it does uh, so my next note was, is he giving her non-consensual vaginal drugs? I mean, I think the answer is yes. That, it was unclear what orifice it was, but yes, one of the couple of choices down there, non-consensually. Um, and then we get a scene where she's in the store again with Jerry. And then she just, she, they're talking, and then she just randomly walks away from the store. Seemingly while it's open, <laughs> doesn't close the door or anything. She just walks away. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's another reference uh, that I caught in this movie. That uh, It was not really a reference because this movie was made way before any of these other movies. It's just kind of uh, interesting, like, precursor to other things in other movies. He's eating a peach. Yeah, he's like, eating a peach. Very seductively. Yes. And if you uh, remember another famous line from Nick Cage, I think it was from Face Off. Another Face Off reference. Uh, he says something like, I could eat a peach for hours. And it's like one of the famous lines from that movie. Um, but yes, I, maybe I'm reading too much into these. It's just well, funny no, to because see. I think, because so, so this is the scene where Terry, Terry, calls Johnny into his office at work. Yeah. And Johnny's on lunch. And so he's eating this peach and there's all this sexual, this not sexual tension. There's all this tension about the sexual relationship that Zandali is having. Cause Thierry knows about something. 
Yeah. Right. And, you know, he's playing it off like he doesn't really know who it is. I think he knows at this point that it's Johnny. Yeah. Or at least suspects that it's Johnny. And Johnny's eating this peach the whole time. And I think it's supposed to be very metaphorically exactly what it looks like. Right in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's just a little heavy. It's just funny that, you know, it seems like I guess Face Off took a lot from this movie based on what I'm getting. Probably more than I even noticed. I haven't watched Face Off in a long time, so um, there might be more. But I would I would love to ask Mr. Cage our one true God, if he remembered this movie at that point, it was taking things from that, this movie and putting it into his character in uh face off. Because I feel like there's, there's definitely, there's too many coincidences for it to be not the case, but you know, maybe on our final episode, we'll interview Mr. Cage and uh, Derek's going to set that up. So, um, and then, yeah. so I think at this point, uh, Zandali goes to his apartment is like waiting around for him. He doesn't come home after work because he got fired, I think. Or did he get fired? I can't remember exactly what happened, but he had a big thing, a big blowout at work over this thing. But, you know, the Judge Reinhold scene that we were just talking about. And she like gets angry and starts kicking stuff around his, apart- his apartment or whatever. Well, so is. I guess what's been happening is they've been doing it over lunch and he couldn't get there over lunch because he had this meeting with Thierry. And so she tears up his place. He thinks she's upset because he stood her up because he missed their little lunch rendezvous. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) And so she throws paint on his bed at some point. I mean, she does a lot, right? She destroys his answering machine. She flips over a couple different tables. Yeah, a girl calls, another girl yeah. calls and says she misses him. And that and she hears that on the answering machine and then she tears it up. That's mm-hmm. what that's what ultimately the straw that broke the camel's back, right? So to speak. Um, so yeah, she throws paint on his bed, which does come back later. Um, because the paint that she threw on the bed was like a single line, like it, like she threw a paint can out. But then when they show the bed later, it's like splattered all over the bed so there's a weird continuity error there but um then we get a scene with judge reinhold's character theory or however you say his name uh singing on a public bus yeah randomly because he's starting to crack oh, right he's at this point he's he's having a lot of personal problems he knows his wife's having an affair he's pretty sure it's with his his, his you know his childhood best friend and they're trying to push him out of his dad's company. It's all things are going downhill. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's, it's a long scene of him singing on this bus and a couple of people just like giving him weird looks the whole time. Um, so that's really great. Uh, and then we get a scene with uh, Zandali in church again. And, uh, Johnny Collins shows up Johnny Nick Cage's character shows up in the church and sits down next to her and they have a conversation how'd you find me blah 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 you know whatever and then he lights up a cigarette in this church in the church starts smoking there's a lot of smoking in this movie by the way like they people talk a lot about like the smoking in 80s and 90s movies um and you know like all the bad boys like you know Mm -hmm. hero type people did it but it was gratuitous in this movie like 
everyone was smoking almost all the time, whether it was cigars or marijuana or cigarettes. I mean, to be fair, everything is gratuitous in this movie. That's true. Um, but yeah, so he lights up in church and then uh, he starts trying to kiss her and she says, no, not here or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he basically pushes her into like a confession booth and seemingly rapes her. I mean, it did not look consensual at all. And then at the end, he says, thank you, father. And it is a, I listen, like there's things to like about this movie. If you like bad movies in general, but the relationship, the main relationship that they're trying to push in this movie is so confusing because potentially because of the weird vibes between the two people involved. I don't know, but it seems like it's consensual. And then other times it seems like it's just straight up rape. And like, she keeps going back to her abuser. I don't think that's how the story was meant, but that's what it felt like. Um, but it yeah. is really hard to know what this was supposed to be. I think that's, that's probably my biggest t- takeaway from it because even like the generic plot of it sounded more like, the three of them had like a deal with each other because Thierry couldn't do it. So they get his buddy Johnny to help uh, help out. It was going to be kind of like that, but they're doing it behind Thierry's back. And then there's just the, the chemistry between Johnny and Zandali is non-existent. It was just very, very weird. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Um, and yeah, if that, if you're basing your whole movie around this, then it has to work. Right. Yep. So, you know, that was that was tough throughout this whole movie for me. Um, I don't think it was intended to be that way, like I said. But, uh, you know, the fact that you also got these vibes means that it's not like it's just me reading no. too much into things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we get the thank you, father line, which is um, a weird thing to say after what seemed to be a rape. Um, mm-hmm. But at this point, he's seemingly forced her to have sex with him like 20 feet from her husband and now forced her to have sex with him in a church when she said no and forced her to do drugs that she did not consent to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then they, then she goes to the person, the old, the father or the mother or grandmother unclear person's place. And she's playing Scrabble against her secret love. <laughs> and uh, there's like a weird, like advice scene from this person. Yep. While they're playing Scrabble. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then my next note is just so much smoking because I, eventually it got to the point where I was like, wow, they're really like emphasizing the smoking. Um, My next note is she gets a lot of action. Did she kiss somebody else at this point? Not that I recall. I don't remember what that was about. Um, but this is, I think, around the time when uh, it shows that she's like, we should take a vacation. Mm-hmm. And so they go out on a boat and they like, because well, she's she basically tells Johnny she's done with him. Yeah. Because she's going to double down on her marriage and try and fix things. Right. And, you know, kudos to her for that, although she's, you know, done a lot at this point. Um, but yeah, so they get on a boat and then they go to like this marina. And Johnny's randomly there. Well, so, okay. So I think there's a scene before they leave where 
Thierry sees Johnny in the bar again and tells Johnny that he and his wife are going to go away on a little trip, you know, and that he's going to take them to the place they used to go to when they were kids. That at, at that point, I think that solidifies to the audience that Thierry knows it's Johnny. Yeah, and that he wants him to show up. Exactly. Yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah, so they're on the boat and they're driving around. They go to like one of these little like bar bar dock type situations where the boat's marina. park. Is it is that is that a big enough to be considered a marina? I feel like yeah, in the early nineties, probably it was okay. like yeah, they sold fishing bait and food and stuff like that area. Um. So then they started talking about catfish, and. Uh, Nick Cage's character chimes up and says he needs chicken blood because that's what you catch catfish on. And as somebody who's done a lot of catfishing in my life, I can say with 100% certainty that Nick Cage is giving good advice here. That somebody on that set, somebody on that set had been catfishing before because chicken blood does do well. And so they enough. talk about they talk about the stink bait that he brewed up this morning. And yeah, if you've ever been around stink bait, like catfish love that crap, but it is disgusting. But yeah, chicken blood is a common ingredient in stink bait. So <laughs> the more you know. Yeah, kudos to uh, whoever did the fishing research in this movie. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if it was like Nick Cage just randomly knew. Like they didn't even that. have that in the script. And he's like, <laughs> oh, chicken blood. Yeah. You know. God. Well, um, yeah. So so he speaks up and Thierry is like, what took you so long? You know, hey, you know, Zandy's here. Let's all go hang out. Yeah, let's have a three-way. That's what I thought they were setting up at this point. Oh, no. So, okay. So, at this point, I was like, okay, he's going to shoot Johnny. I really thought that he was going to kill Johnny. And I wasn't I wasn't too far off. I was pretty proud of myself. No. So, then they both <laughs> go out to the dock. And we get what She's might so be pissed. the most awkward dance scene. The most awkward and most out-of-place dance scene I've ever seen in a movie. Okay, so that's the second scene I was talking about where like characters are dancing and it's unclear if they hear music. And it's unclear whether they like each other or want to kill each other at this point. We know one of them wants to kill the other one for sure, but we didn't really know that it was the other way around. I kept waiting for, I thought that Thierry was going to like pull out a knife and like stab Johnny in the back or something like that. It did seem like that. Yeah, that would have been a little on the nose too. You know, well, (laughs) fine. (laughs) But like, yeah, it's, so it's like they I think Judge Reinhold asks Zandali if she wants to dance and she says no because she's pissed. And then instead he dances with Johnny and it's this like really awkward, like seemingly formal Southern dance that they both yeah. know. Um, and it, like it's done very aggressively, which I feel like is not the way that it's supposed to be done. But uh, based on the character which we of Johnny, which we've seen him do almost everything in this movie aggressively, uh, it was fitting. But it was unclear as to whether, like, these guys were, that's how they did it when they were kids, when they danced, or if this was, like, they knew that the other one hated the other, well, that, one, that they hated each other and weren't friends at this point, and something was going on. I, I think once the three of them are standing on the dock, they all know that this is going to end. How exactly they're unsure, but like this is it. This is the they know it's the climax of the situation. So, yeah. Then my next note is it's still going on, <laughs> and then finally over because it is it's scene. long. It's like yeah. two and a half minutes of these two guys dancing, and you don't really know why they're dancing. Like what's it's the very context? tense? It it's really ratcheted up the tension. Yeah. Arguably, um, this was the most emotionally clear cut scene for me. 
Like sure. I, I understood what was the emotional state of everybody in this moment. Whereas in a lot of the rest of the movie, it was unclear. Yeah. But, you know, this That's felt fair. the most on point. Yeah. Uh, next I have, well, this got dark because at this point, uh, Johnny's saying something to him to judge Reinhold's character. Uh, and he pulls a gun, like the world's smallest gun. Out yeah, of there his pocket. He pulls out a little pistol. Yeah. And points it at uh, everybody. He John. points it at all That's three true. of them. And so he kind of coerces them onto the boat after he shot. I think he fired a bullet at this point. Yeah, he shoots off into the distance somewhere. So hopefully there's not some poor fisherman on the other side. <laughs> or, or, or or like a bird. He just killed like a random seagull. Right? Like... <laughs> um, so then we get this scene where like they're speeding really fast in this boat. And yep, through the, the bayou. Through the bayou. And uh Johnny says, "Like the, we're we're supposed to be going the other direction to get to our fishing spot or something like that." Mm-hmm. And he says, "No, no, it's this way." And uh, yeah, so Theory is like totally snapped. I I had written down here this this cinematography is next level because and this is one of remember what I talked about at the very beginning where it's unclear as to whether like there this is they know that they're being filmed or like this is like actual you know movie cinematography because it's literally you can 100 percent tell that it's just a couple of people in another boat behind them filming <laughs> and like there's no attempt to steady the camera or do anything it's meant to feel like you're also on a boat following them so that was confusing yeah but, uh, yeah cinematography is next level and then uh they stop I th- well, so what happens is Johnny takes over. That's right. I had, I had a note about hitting uh, Zandali because I think uh, Judge Reinhold's character hits Zandali at this point. They've both hit her at some point during okay. the movie. Yeah, I forget exactly when it happens. But... Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. But yeah, no, no, he you're took good. Over. Yeah. So yeah, so Johnny's driving the boat now, and I, it's it, again another unclear moment. It feels like it was on purpose to knock ferry off the boat and into the water yeah but at the same time zandali goes to try and save him and then johnny goes to try to save him and theory doesn't want to be saved he even goes so far as to bite a chunk out of johnny's neck okay so this is where it gets unclear right because so we see him fly out of the boat and there's like probably a minute of just like other characters staring at the spot where he went down and then some bubbles come up Mm -hmm. a lot of bubbles come up as if he drowned right and then johnny goes into the water and this is the actual sequence that happens in the movie johnny goes into the water to try and get him well zandy goes first he goes first you can't get to him so johnny goes and he goes this is after all the bubbles already came up right so you're pretty sure he's dead at this point so nick cage's character johnny goes down into the water and comes back up a little bit later carrying hit carrying terry or or theory or however yeah and carrying him up right but at this point you think he's dead and then when they get to the surface theory bites a chunk out of nick cage's (laughs) neck yeah and then sinks again which is not how the human body works and (laughs) uh so i don't know if we're supposed to believe that he did that while he was dead or if like he was still alive and they just like let him go and let him drown like well yes i think it's the latter because at the end of the movie when she's at the cemetery 
and our good boy Steve Buscemi shows back up again. Um, she says, like, how how can how they, they said that he that he drowned, but how can you drown if you know how to swim? That's true. And right? I, yeah, that's my next note is the, the trash guy is begging at cemeteries now. Yeah, I don't know. Like he he escapes a couple of times. I mean, like clearly this dude probably shouldn't be out of the prison at this point. Like he steals right. a TV at some point. Like I don't know what he's doing, but but, but he yeah, gets caught I, stealing the TV. So right, he's already in jail. He's out doing garbage duty. He steals a TV, gets caught again, and is somehow back at the cemetery out Begging. again. Like lock this dude down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And so then we get an F-bomb drop, and I'm not talking about fuck, because I will yeah. say that on this show. We get another F-word that's a derogatory word towards a specific uh, LGBTQ group um, that I don't like. I don't even remember who said it in the movie. I think it wasn't Steve Buscemi's character. This is not important, now. really. It's not important, but yeah, it was a weird thing to throw in this movie. If like, It's already a bad movie. to make, that That kind of made it worse. Like, why did you have to drop that, you know, 90% of the way into the movie? Yeah, I mean, the movie's almost over at this point. It's just, yeah, they just kind of double down. Yeah. And my next note is that Escalated Quickly paints himself. I'm not sure what that was in reference to. I'm Yeah, so so Johnny, so this is afterwards. So Therese died off screen and they're all back home. And somehow nobody, I guess, has been questioned by police or arrested or anything in the death of this, this guy. Even though the guy has literally bite marks in his neck. Right. Nobody seems to care. We, or they just skip over it, whatever. And Johnny's response is to like totally snap. And yeah, he just destroys his studio. He's throwing paint everywhere. He's covering himself in black oh yeah yes 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 because he's like yeah. black it out black it all out he um, literally this is an extended scene of him just taking a can of black paint and uh-huh. dumping it all over himself yep it is a really weird scene and i'm pretty sure this had to have been like an improvised thing by nick cage i feel like it did I not mean, feel sure like the direction was, was like freak out and throw paint around you know but then he literally like covered himself in black paint it was so uncomfortable to watch but like what a creative bold move by nick to go that route with it it was very odd um yeah you saying that definitely jogged because i 100 remember that was a weird thing to do (laughs) you know that took forever to clean up too Um, but it's fine because in the next scene he's totally cleaned up as if it never happened right and he tells her that when he smells toast he's reminded of her skin yes which is a very serial killery thing to say why does her skin smell like toast to you are you having a stroke like when i go in my kitchen to make toast i smell your skin i can't get you out of me yeah what a weird thing to say another uncomfortable line and then we get another Nick Cage sex scene almost. I put Nick Cage sex scene almost, so I feel like it started to look like it was going to be a sex scene, and then it stopped. Right, so they're back at the house that she, Zandy, used to share with Therry, and she kind of stops it because she, she doesn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. And then I have these people need therapy. <laughs> That's, <my laughs> That's for note. sure understand which is like yeah very light compared to what they really need and then i don't remember this very well either so maybe you'll remind me taking dead body to church right so at the end of the movie she is like walking down the street again another movie 
where people just walk aimlessly down the middle of roads when there are clear sidewalks available, right. but whatever. And he's Johnny's following Zandali at this point. It's unclear if she knows that he's following, but I can't imagine she doesn't know, but she's ignoring him. Let's go with that. And then they're reaching the church. So seemingly she's going to church like she has the, the couple of times we had seen already. And this guy that we've seen his car around, you know, two or three times um, pulls, you know, pulls back up and is like, hey, Johnny, remember to pay your accounts receivable or whatever, which I guess he owes drug money, which he's got a job and he's a painter and he still owes drug money. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, and, it's really not established at this point in the movie. I do remember it now that yeah. you're bringing it up. Yeah. And so he goes, this guy goes to seemingly shoot Johnny and Zandy sees this as an opportunity, I think, to end things. And so she jumps in front of She of commits Johnny. suicide, essentially. She basically commits suicide, yeah. To and get Johnny's Johnny out of her life. Really upset. And he picks up her body and walks towards the church, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, we don't see him actually go into the church or anything else, yeah. And honestly, I thought this was going to be another movie where Nick Cage died at the end of the movie, because that seems to be a trend. But nope, I was surprised. It was Zan. Yep. That's but it. That's the end of that's, the movie. Yeah, my last note is okay. I guess that's it because yeah. I did not expect it to end. Which is a, another common theme in these in our Nick Cage movies is that they end in a place that I did not expect them to end. So, yeah, I mean, when this movie started, I did not expect two of the three main characters to be dead, both yeah. by suicide, right? Um, you know, by the end of this freaking movie. I mean, I was borderline at the end of this movie. Honestly, I was like, "What the fuck?" Maybe <laughs> I don't. Des- maybe I don't. I don't deserve to live for watching this. Oh man, don't don't joke about that. But oh, yeah, it's not a very. It's, sorry, I didn't. I didn't yeah. that. But yeah, it was a. It's a bad. This is a bad movie. It was not a good movie. Okay, I'm not saying that no one's allowed to enjoy it, but it is uncomfortable. It is bizarre. It is. But I think that's what people like. People, a lot of people like like weird ass bizarre movies, uh, and, just like that don't make any sense. And we're we're trying to be critical of you know movies. We talk. I guess we're not trying to be critical, but we do talk about things we like, don't like, things that don't make sense. We are critical of movies here, so you know I can understand you know us not liking it but why somebody else would like it you know there's a lot of other things like in mandy that i didn't necessarily like yeah i think i think my problem with this though is that the 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 core concept of the movie is a relationship that does not appear to be consensual and actively appears to not be consensual throughout the majority of the film and so it's it's aggressive it's uncomfortable it's you know there's there's no consent there's just bitter kind of hatred i guess i just if you what what is it that people are enjoying in the movie would be my question if it's the nudity and the sex there's other places you could go to watch that without the bad stuff going on in this movie yeah that would be my take well i think that that if that's what you're watching this movie for then it's potentially the problematic nature that would appeal the person because there is a whole like line of consensual non-consent like that's a that's from what i understand a very common kink and people yeah. may find the way to indulge that in this movie but again there's a lot of places you can find that kind of thing that i i don't know it was a weird movie i don't really want to get into it that's a fair kink discussion but uh you know it's it's a weird movie and i i would wonder too what exactly people loved about it and i'm assuming that if you say you love this movie, maybe it's just because that you think that makes people think you're quirky or something. When in reality, it just makes me worry about you. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about yep. the nicest thing I can say. Well, then I think we can just go ahead and rate the movie at this point and we can all move on to other things. Yeah. All right. Okay. So for those who don't know, we rate our Nicolas Cage movies on two different 20 point scales. We have an overall quality score, one being the worst movie of all time, 20 being the best movie. We also have caginess, 20 being the most cagey movie you can think of and one being the least cagey movie you can think of so um i'm gonna kick things off this time i usually kick it over to you first i'm gonna kick things off on this and we're gonna start with quality we do quality first and i am going to give this a one because i think it's truly terrible yeah what's the lowest movie we have on there so far so the lowest we have right now quality for quality is we gave let's see rage you gave it a four i gave it a three um man. inconceivable you gave it a four and i gave it a six those would be our bottom two man rage was pretty bad i'd rather watch rage because rage was coherent it was bad but i get it <laughs> i knew what the people were feeling i know what if the people liked or disliked each other Right. I mean, I definitely think it's probably worse than Rage. I don't know if it's a one for me. I, I think that some of the concepts, whether they were intentional or not, were interesting. <laughs> like the idea that this the way this was filmed made it feel like you were watching a stage play, essentially. The fact that every scene was like, some of them were really amazing, like Nick Cage covering himself in paint and like destroying it. Like that was a really interesting scene and probably one of the most sincere feeling scenes in the movie for the character yeah but then you also have scenes like the scene where they're talking about him quitting writing where it's just so poorly acted and you feel like you're just watching like a like a community college production it was like they were still rehearsing right and i'm not to knock community college productions it's just more of a generic like you know low level acting from people that weren't low level actors necessarily at this time so I feel like for me, it'd be a two or a three. You got to pick. Yeah. Um, pro- I'm going to go with a three because I okay. think that there were things that I could see why people would like it. I didn't particularly like those things. I did find some of it interesting. But yeah, I would probably rather rather watch Rage or Inconceivable than this movie again. Okay. Now, what about our caginess? Um, I mean, I think that's going to be higher for sure. Yes. I don't think you would debate me on that. Like, from the intro for the character to that paint scene to like the eating the peach scene uh you know i think he took a lot of risks in this movie yeah uh with the character and it's unclear whether you know it's a lot of these you know you hear the stories about nick cage and go and him talking about the things he was trying with the character and so you assume that when a director brings him on that they're bringing him on because he will have some of these kind of oddball ideas mm-hmm. that will make this movie stand out. But what was that the case in 1991 or whenever this came out? Um, you know, it's hard to say. It's like a lot of these things that I think are very cagey, but were those even necessarily a cage thing was, or was that something that, uh, you know, the director told him to do. Right. Um, right. Based on the movies that we've seen of his, I feel like a lot of them were the cage 
like like at this point he had really only done a few projects he wasn't like a super big name at this point sure. raising arizona was his raising arizona and moonstruck were basically his two two biggest movies well, i guess he did vampire skips before this also so i don't know i feel like th- at this point these work actual true cage things that he injected into the movie i know i'm kind of rambling here a little bit <laughs> with some of these early movies it's hard to know whether it was something that like the director asked for or something he just brought into the character um because he wasn't really established very well at this point but i would say that based on the fact that the previous movies he'd done before this i'd probably give it like a 12 or 13 okay. somewhere in there okay Is that around where you were at yeah, I was I was actually going to give it a thirteen. Okay, yeah, let's yeah. both stick with thirteen then. Okay, yeah. So there we go. So a thirteen on caginess and an average of a two on overall quality, with Ryan giving it a three and me giving it a one. So now, of course, we have our wheel o cage that determines what movie we're going to watch next, and we have to add a movie to that wheel to replace zandali so i've got a little random generator here that is going to pick the movie that will join the wheel so joining the wheel i think ryan you'll be excited about the possibility of this coming up teen titans go to the movie yes i've been trying to get you to watch this movie this movie forever so there you go so the teen titans go to the movies will where join he famously the- voiced superman after yeah. after briefly being cast in the role in a failed tim burton uh superman movie that's right. So that's going to join the wheel, the wheel o cage. So you'll have to f- follow us to find out what movie gets spun on the wheel o cage. You can go to comingofcage.com or follow us at comingofcage on Twitter and Facebook. You can watch Ryan and I spin our wheel and you can catch our cage o meter where we rank all of the Nicolas Cage movies that we have reviewed to date. This was our 13th movie. So you'll be able to see where that lands along with the other dozen that we've talked about. This has been Zandali. Ryan, any final thoughts? Um, no, I think we've covered most everything, sadly, uh, about this movie. I feel Fair a little enough. dirty having done that, but yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm glad this one's behind us and I look forward to the next one. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Let us know your thoughts if you've seen Zandali. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. We're the Coming of Cage podcast. We'll catch you next time.